RexMuscle.com brings you Quantum Physiques, building strength and power for your mind, your body, and your spirit. Alternative medicine, muscle growth, mood enhancement, motivation, putting your mind at ease, harnessing your maximum potential. Quantum Physiques, here's your host, Brian Cunningham. And welcome to Quantum Physiques, where we strive to build strength and power for mind, body, and spirit. I'm your host, Brian Cunningham, joining you here every week on the rxmuscle.com website. And today I want to switch gears a little bit. Last week was a great show. Of course, Dr. Michael Murray talking about glycation, inflammation, oxidation, and the uh, the chemistry of nutrition and of optimization of uh, body performance, both mind and body, of course. But I want to switch gears and go into a part one of what I call chemical anarchy, because of course, as listeners on this website, my listeners in particular know, uh, everything is mediated by chemicals and the public at large, we're all using chemistry to um, both self-medicate, to help us have an edge in the competitive world we live in. Um, and speaking of competition, often success, as we all know, involves risk. This past weekend, in fact, I was up at Niagara Falls, which is the largest um, I guess, waterfalls as far as volume of water in the world. It's pretty breathtaking. And uh, like I usually do, I'm, I'm definitely a little bit of, a, of an ex- adrenaline junkie. And I happened to hop over the fence. Uh, I was told I was going to get arrested. So I didn't do it during the day. I actually went back when the sun was down and um, it was dark and there wasn't as many people around. So I hopped over the fence and walked out on the, on the stone walkway right next to the waterfalls, basically. And people began freaking out. I mean, I was with some people and um, the the people that were there taking pictures thought I was going to commit suicide, I guess. And they were like kind of shocked. One of of my friends was actually traumatized by the whole thing. And uh, just people weren't used to seeing people deviate from the norm. Um, And I just began realizing that, you know, a a lot of people in society are so much, I guess, um, beholden to uh, conformity. You know, as Howard Bloom would tell you in one of his books, we, we are a, a group, um, I guess, dominated society. Everything we do really involves the group. And so the conformity enforcers, as he would call them, are a big part of, of, of the social group. Now, success, of course, involves taking risks, not just risks on a physical level, but also maybe in other ways, too. Evolution, in fact, has carved risk into our genome, believe it or not. Uh, you know, alpha males or more aggressive males are are more prevalent because they were more successful. Even though back in our paleo ancestry, many men would step up and died. The one psychotic, maybe more muscular male that actually lived uh, would actually be the one that came home and had access to a whole bunch of women, as an example. We discussed this on the show previously, how he became his genes, as dysfunctional as it sounds, Dysfunction is actually part of the evolutionary process because there's no purpose. It's just a matter of whatever behavior, no matter how psychotic or unhappy it makes the individual, if it benefits his genes, it will get passed on. But there is something about taking risks in life, I think, and about kind of stepping up. Um, You know, as you all know, we lift weights, we go to the gym to feel, in a sense, better about ourselves. I mean, for example, if you want to use the umbrella term of feeling happy or getting happy, we lift weights and we have better social status, we feel happy. We lift weights, we feel more secure in our mountain of muscles, we feel happy. We lift weights, we get laid, we feel happy. So obviously, if you want to use an umbrella term, everything we're doing in life is to feel happy. And uh, sometimes it involves taking risks, of course. 
So, you know, part of this chemical anarchy series is going to be about how can we use chemistry, of course, not just the typical ones we know of nutrition, uh, maybe anabolics, but even things, you know, I want to get into eventually things like injectable curcumin, because I do have some friends that are chemical gurus out there that swear that injectable resveratrol, injectable curcumin and terostal bean are highly effective and can do pretty phenomenal things to athletic endeavors. But today I want to talk about something else, of course, which is along the lines of the shamanistic uh, episode we had a few weeks back where we were talking about how, you know, these shaman or these people that had this different paradigm understood that you could actually bend time, that you could actually, in a sense, in a quantum, I guess, quantum mechanical perspective, you could actually travel through time. You could actually have a future you reach back through time and influence who you are now and shape who you are becoming. And so for all of us that strive to have better lives, to be more successful, to break out of these patterns, these chains that bind us, I think the use of um, taking risks uh, in, in maybe a more quasi-quantum I guess, mechanical uh, level, a quantum, I guess, physics level, if you want to talk about it, is something really to consider. You know, Jesus and the Buddha, as everyone knows here, I'm a big advocate of um, spiritual risks, not only physical and mental, of course, with, you know, working out in the gym, maybe taking chances as an extreme sports junkie or taking chances with your career and working hard to become a lawyer or a doctor, but also, for example, what Jesus and the Buddha did, going out into the desert, the desert of your subconscious, is, of course, is the metaphor. And for 40 days and 40 nights, journeying through that dark wasteland to come out uh, a new person. A, me- a metamorphosis really happens. For most of us, though, it's an impossibility. So is there another route? Is there another route to, to transcending the temporal level of happiness that most of us seek? It's just, you know, as you get older or as you get more, as you get used to getting laid or the social status or feeling more secure, you start wondering, is there more to this? You know, the, the same things that used to make you happy don't make you happy anymore. And so that's where the journey inside, the, the journey deeper for, for, I guess, for our listeners here, uh, makes us go out into the desert again to seek something else, right? To seek something deeper, a more meaningful experience of what it means to be alive. And there is this aspect of chemical, um, I guess, transcendence that is something that needs to be looked at. It's pretty fascinating. Um, The use of chemistry to modulate, I guess, brain chemistry or maybe even to modulate the the quantum, I guess, physics of the brain in a sense, the multidimensional um, you know, in interconnectedness of the brain with the tissues in this dimension and whatever else exists as we exist, our consciousness in other dimensions, it seems like these chemical modulators may actually switch on and switch off access to these portals. You know, I've always said that now is literally a fifth dimension. It's a wormhole inside your mind, transcends space and time. It's where Alice in Wonderland's rabbit hole meets, meets Stephen Hawking's wormhole. And this is where you want to go because this is where the power of the gods literally resides. And if we can tap into this, I think the, um, the potential, the possibilities are, are limitless. And it doesn't mean you have to conquer the world. I mean, what, what it really is, again, is it comes back to if you can conquer the inner world, that's really all it is. Because again, everything, every organism, every mechanical robot out there, as you know, 
is doing things for one reason, to feel a sense of happiness, a sense of completion, a full belly. I'm happy. Now I'm thirsty. I'm unhappy. I drink. I'm happy. I'm horny. I want to get laid. Boom. I'm happy. And so on and so on. Look, just like this mechanistic dominoes that goes on ad infinitum. So I do want to get into this idea of using chemicals and chemistry to, to transcend and to hopefully make leaps and bounds um, as far as progress is concerned. Now, there are some people that I think are pretty fascinating in this area that I'm just tapping into or tuning into right now. And of course, now, as my listeners know, I'm not your typical um, you know, hippie-ish pothead kind of person that's into like just tuning out and eating alfalfa all day. That's not my idea of, of the use of, of chemicals in a sense. Um, but there are people that have been pioneers that have shaped Western culture that have influenced so much of what you and I take for granted in, in movies and in books and um, just, you know, even our, our, our language and stuff. One of them, of course, was Terrence McKenna. And one thing he said that really struck me, it's clearly a crisis we face of two things, of consciousness and of conditioning. These are the two things that psychedelics attack. We have the technological power, the engineering skills to save our planet, to cure disease, to feed the hungry, to end war. But we lack the intellectual vision. We lack the ability to change our minds. We must decondition ourselves from 10,000 years of bad behavior. And it's not easy. This to me was awe-inspiring. This is the same thing that people like Einstein, Tony Robbins, Deepak Chopra all have talked about. Uh, and yet it seems like in spite of all this knowledge, the human condition hasn't changed. Because again, as a robot, it's one thing for a robot to, to converse in a conscious level about wanting to change things. Did you ever meet somebody in a relationship with your boss maybe or your loved one and you talk about your problems and then as soon as you stop talking, you, go, you both go back to the same shit, the same patterns of behavior? What, this is how most relationships are actually. There's some kind of a fundamental disconnect from what people think and, and believe who they are and what the world is around them on a conscious level and on the subconscious or when they're back in the matrix, what actually really happens often seems to be quite different, right? Because obviously you're not, you're not where you want to be in your life. Let's just be honest about it. You're not as successful as you want to be. You're probably not as happy as you want to be. Your body probably isn't where it wants to be. Even if you have a six pack, now you're terrified of losing it probably. I mean, honestly, most of us, there's something going on here that our conscious minds are not able to really tune into. And this is where I'm hoping that chemical anarchy part one can actually help. My guest, who wants to remain anonymous, actually, is somebody who has come from where we come from. He's been in the bodybuilding world. He's actually been a formulator for a variety of companies that we know, um, including such names as Gaspari, who's one of the best known names in the industry. So he has that experience. But as quantum physique listeners know, he is a seeker. He was out into the desert of his subconscious and kept going to find other venues and other levels of experience. And so with that, I want to, after we take a quick break, of course, welcome back our, list, our, our guest. Once again, stay tuned for a quick break. This is Quantum Physiques here on archmuscle.com. I'm your host, Brian Cunningham. We'll be right back after this quick break. Quantum Physiques, building strength and power for your mind, body, and spirit. 
Myotropics Physique Nutrition is the most exciting supplement company to come along in decades. That's because Myotropics isn't just another company. It's the brainchild of iconic metabolic expert, Dr. Scott Connolly, the inventor of the original body recomposition product that changed the industry and allowed millions of people to get in the best shape of their life. And CEO Vince Andrich, author of the groundbreaking Physique Athlete Guide. Myotropics flagship product, Physique 2.0, contains their exclusive Meta Effects Amino CD protein compound that maximizes whole body protein economy. Your personal linchpin for gaining and retaining the most muscle while also shedding maximum body fat. Plus, Physique 2.0 contains the world's first legitimate fat burning carbohydrate, Meta Effects FAO CHO, for full hard muscle and increased fat burn. If you live to develop the ultimate physique, go with Myotropics, real people that live to develop physique nutrition. Go to Myotropics.com. It's your body, it's your art. Master it. Myotropics.com. If you train hard, you need to recover hard. Training elevates cortisol, but so does stress and tension. Stress is the number one health risk you face today, and not only causes you to put on abdominal fat, but it's also one of the contributing factors in the top six causes of death which includes heart disease and cancer. But now you can relieve that stress, rebuild, recover, and feel great with fast-acting Gabitrol. Gabitrol works quickly to help you improve relaxation and recovery, reduce cortisol, elevating stress, and reduce binge eating. Plus, Gabitrol will also help you to get that deep, restful sleep. Warriors are built, not born. And now you can build a better body with fast-acting Gabitrol. Recommended by New York Times number one best-selling author, Dr. John Gray. Gabitrol is available now at rxstress.com. P28 High Protein Bread is the official bread of RX Muscle. Are you looking to incorporate more protein into your meals or just want to enjoy bread again? Then look no further. Try the 100% natural P28 High Protein Bread. P28 High Protein Bread is a formulated revolutionary breakthrough product. Packed with whey protein isolate, 14 grams of protein per slice, 12 grams of carbs, 8 essential amino acids, and made with 100% whole wheat. Fear bread no more. Build a better body with P28. Order today at highproteinbread.com. P28 is also now available at bodybuilding.com and many other retailers. Order now, highproteinbread.com. P28 Bread, RX Muscle approved. Fusion Bodybuilding makes bodybuilding strongest supplements, and they're committed to giving back to you. Fusion Bodybuilding not only want to promote the bodybuilding lifestyle, but they also want to help build the sport. Bodybuilding is all they do. It's their obsession. You know the feeling. That's why you're here. Visit Fusion Bodybuilding at FusionBodybuilding.com or join in on the conversation on the Fusion Bodybuilding fan page on Facebook, where you'll find IFBB Pro Q&As, contest giveaways, and nothing but in-depth bodybuilding talk. Fusion Bodybuilding, bodybuilding's strongest supplements. Head over to FusionBodybuilding.com today. So are you from Australia paying far too much for supplements with the inflating weight and amino prices? Why not check out the all-new RX Muscle Australia for the latest Australian and worldwide content and coverage. While you're there, check out Bulk Nutrient Supplement Store, the official supplement store for RX Muscle Australia. You can visit Bulk Nutrients at BulkNutrients.com.au, your one-stop shop, and also check out out the all-new rxmuscle.com.au rx muscle australia the truth in australian bodybuilding rx
TurexMuscle.com. Now you have a place to turn when you want the truth on bodybuilding, diet and exercise, up to the minute news and more. Visit the RxMuscle.com forums featuring celebrity Q&As with IFBB professional athletes, top amateurs and the brightest minds in the industry. Listen to our weekly radio shows including Heavy Muscle Radio, Muscle Girls Inc., After Hours and more. Contest coverage, videos, even our own social networking site, Rx Muscle Place. Visit RxMuscle.com. And welcome back to Quantum Musiques. I'm your host, Brian Cunningham. One of the things I've been thinking, one of the sayings, I love sayings actually and quotes, you know, things that inspire us, of course. One of the sayings I've been saying myself is that until you've died, you haven't really lived. And of course, as my listeners know, I've done a whole show, probably several shows on the idea of dying, on the idea of transcending the, the little finite bag of blood and bones that we're trapped in, of course. Uh, and until you've had Satori or until you've opened the third eye, and again, Every single movie, all from The Matrix to you name it, as Jeff and I have talked about on previous shows, uh, there's so many. Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin. I mean, the list goes on and on and on about artists, especially because artists in particular, writers, poets, musicians, painters, they are a breed unlike most people. They suffer from more mental illness, yes, but they're also seekers that go off into the desert of their subconscious and experience opening the third eye or experience, um, you know, Zazen or Satori. And so this is something that I really want to encourage everybody, of course, to transcend and to hopefully come back more grounded, more alive. As the Dalai Lama said, the brain we develop reflects the life we lead. The brain is malleable and ultimately represents the manifestation of what we choose to actually focus on and how we choose to live our lives. So it's pretty important to focus once again on the brain and to use chemistry. I think you can actually use chemistry to modulate and uh, influence your brain. So with that said, I want to welcome my guest, Mr. Anonymous. Mr. Anonymous, welcome to Quantum Physiques. Thank you. Now, as you and I both know, um, the use of I guess, psychedelics or of, of chemi- chemicals, chemistry, to modulate brain chemistry, I mean, a hug, when somebody hugs us, our brain, we feel good because we're getting releases of chemicals like oxytocin and serotonin, which are, are you know, they promote social bonding in animals, of course. Um, you know, Terrence McKenna, of course, and these other, other pioneers would take this idea and go much further than that. I mean, Terrence McKenna, as you know, was profoundly influential on Timothy Leary, who is one of the pioneers, I guess, of the 60s. Timothy Leary actually introduced him as Terrence McKenna as being one of the most important people alive on the planet. That's how profound uh, Terrence McKenna was. And his brother, believe it or not, I think Dennis, um, is a, a doctor of, I believe, um, maybe you might correct me, Anonymous, uh, ethnobotany or something like that, who writes about the use of chemicals like dimethyltryptamine um, and other, I guess, uh, ahiyuska for um, achieving these transcendental experiences. So maybe you might want to just pick it up since you know where I've been going with this whole thing and share with me a little bit of your background and your journey into, I guess, this, this field. Well, the gateway drug for me was actually Rip Buell in college. I'd never taken really anything besides maybe a caffeine pill or, I don't know, I grew up in a house that had Coors Light and wine at nighttime, and that was sort of my um, idea of okay in terms of changing your, your brain or whatever. And I mean, sometimes they would tell me they drank it for the taste, but obviously by the behavior, there was something much bigger going on than that. Um, I didn't really take to that particular substance, so... This is Rip Fuel now again, right? This is Twin Labs Rip Fuel, which includes Mahuang and caffeine? That's correct. The infamous ECA stack that everybody on the show knows about, of course. Okay, I just want to make sure. 
Yeah, I just wanted to bring that to your, everyone's attention because I think most people can relate to that. Um, for the first time, like I was much more aware and um, just in control of my overall nervous system than I'd ever been before. Um, and it was refreshing. It was almost like, I won't use the, the cliche exercise on a bottle, but it, it felt like how I felt when I was lifting weights or when I was running. It's all of a sudden, I had that level of uh, attention and just activation that I really... That's what I liked about exercise more so, obviously, than even the physical like results in the mirror or whatever. It was really the feel-good effects that really kept me exercising for most of my life. So that's where it started. That's very important, actually, because, again, as I said, um, you know, our feelings drive physiology. Anonymous, that's one of my big cliches is that feelings drive physiology. And so while I said earlier that people do things to feel happy, really, we lift weights because we want to elevate our social status because we're going to feel more happy. We're going to feel more secure. But you're right. Exercise itself, as you would say, um, makes us feel good. And so you're saying that, that this chemical modification with the uh, ACA stack made you feel good, but it also spurned a journey for you, I guess, deeper into this whole idea of using chemistry to, uh, to increase the way you feel, right? It did. It took me out of my head, out of my, the inner monologue that I spent so much time in. I'm an introvert. And so I kind of lived in two worlds, meaning that there was things going on around me. And much of the time I was just listening to myself think and planning and going back to the past and, and then somewhere getting confused in the middle. And uh, I spent enormous effort trying to uh, just pay attention to what was going on at any given time. Unless, of course, someone was had a stick or there was fear involved. And of course, I pay attention. But you know, I wanted to try and be able to do this without worrying about being punished. I mean, I wanted to pay attention because I was interested, not because there was some incentive or, um, I don't know, a way to avoid getting pain because I wasn't paying attention. Now, that was the classic sort of conditioning that I learned, at least on a very you know, indirect way throughout my life. And then where was your next journey after that? I mean, you began looking at um, anything else. I mean, obviously, the use of stimulants is one set of, of, of compounds that help. A lot of people, I think, these days are, um, I suffer from ADD. And I'm not sure what really, it's probably a multifactorial ideology, meaning that there's many different things causing it. But it seems like things maybe like caffeine stimulants actually quell the brain chemistry. I guess Ritalin, I guess, right, also is a stimulant that helps to calm the brain down and promote the ability to focus. That's something else that I think you began venturing into, right? I did. Um, what I found out is, you know, through various diagnosis or whatever, um, I think some people feel shame about that, but really looking back on it, um, these are just categories that were putting um, things into like a medical um, compartment of what my symptoms were at the time. So I've kind of graduated from each little thing. It's kind of helped me understand, okay, layer by layer, this is what's happening. And when I'm doing this or I'm doing that, these are the symptoms that come along with these different changes in consciousness or in just whatever you're doing. It's so whether it's an obsessive type thing, or if it's a, just not being able to focus in a busy crowd, um, you have these various diagnoses so they can medicalize, um, you know, and get insurance to pay for medicine, which I don't think is really a bad thing. I think it's great. Um, it's pretty easy to get medication now, drugs, whatever. And you kind of can figure it out on your own. It's kind of unique. You don't have to go talk to somebody. You can, experiment as long as you have that intention you can play around with the various different chemicals and see how that changes you you can reinvent yourself and i think that's one of the benefits of psychiatry 
Kirtland. Sure, that's a great point. And, you know, before we get into Terrence McKenna and his work with uh, DMT and I guess the mushrooms and all that kind of stuff, you know, there is a field in nutrition, as we all know, called nootropics um, or nutraceuticals that basically help to modulate brain chemistry. I'm a big fan of them, actually. I want to get another guest on next week to talk about them. Things like, you know, um, acetyl-carnitine, uh, acetylcholine, um, you know, actually some of the phospholipids are really good, uh, even lecithin, because they are they provide important building blocks for neuronal function. Now, again, people have to realize, you, I mean, I'm not saying your brain is everything because, of course, your gut, it's very holistic, my model of understanding the body, but you have to optimize brain function regardless. And so you want to have, you know, copious quantities. I was just talking to Jeff about this before the show, you know, three or 4,000 milligrams a day of DHA and EPA, which are the active constituents in fish oil. You'd want to take, I, after talking to uh, Dana Hauser about the benefits of, of carnitine, but acetyl-L-carnitine in particular actually upregulates nerve growth factor in the brain. You want to be taking... Definitely, no matter what you take of the, of the carnitine family, acetyl-carnitine is important for neuronal function. You want to consider things like TMG. It's, it's, it's the poor man's SAMe. You know, SAMe, of course, is a methyl donor. SAMe has been clinically shown to alleviate depression, but it's expensive. So what I call the poor man's SAMe is TMG, trimethylglycine. Anonymous and I both are big fans of all these different substrates. You'd want to consider things like um, the paracetam family, the, 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 the racetams, oxyracetam, anaracetam, paracetam. These are amazing. Um, they're not really nutrition. They're more like smart drugs, I guess, that have been shown over and over again. Paracetam, especially in doses of three, 4,000 milligrams a day, very safe, highly efficacious. One of my friends is in medical school and he's a, a nutritionist. He's into nutrition. He has all his buddies in medical school. They're all kicking ass because they're all hooked on centrophenoxine, which is basically, uh, I think, a methoxy DMAE. DMAE, of course, is dimethylaminoethanol. It's a naturally occurring, uh, I guess, amino acid or something like that. But this centrophenoxine is a form of it that is highly effective at optimizing brain function. Um, the list goes on and on. I mean, you have adrafinil, modafinil, uh, you know, subutramine. These are great things that we can use to study. There's a movie out there. I forgot what it was called, but it was like some kind of movie with this guy who found a pill and it made him a Superman. And this is what we're talking about here is chemical anarchy. So Anonymous, if you want to go into it, whatever you can share with this as far as the chemical anarchy idea of oh, Limitless, that's the one movie. The movie Limitless is phenomenal. You got to check it out because you know the whole idea there is that everybody wants to have the answer in a pill. And this show, of course, is dedicated to really looking at that. Now, as far as nootropics are concerned, Anonymous, I'm sure you'd agree, you're not going to be able to condense all these active ingredients into one pill. So like myself, I'm taking copious quantities, several you know, grams of each one of these a day, but the abilities to perform are heightened. How do you feel about that whole thing? Well, that's the reason why I mentioned the first few examples where those are all legal things um, in terms of psychiatry and then also rip fuel. Um, also, Vyvanse is pretty much my limitless. It, uh, it's very clean medication, and you can use it for work, or you can use it for what I've used it for probably the last couple of years, which is just dialing in my senses. Um, Vyvanse. It's called Vyvanse. Vyvanse, yeah. And what's the chemical uh, that the Vyvanse is? It's basically, kind of a glorified Adderall from Shire. Glorified. But it has okay, much gotcha. Longer, much longer half life, and it's really smooth. So it's kind of like. If you're looking for euphoria, that's not your ticket, but which it shouldn't be anyway, I guess. Um, actually, I don't want to judge. Do what you want to do. But uh, <laughs> I don't want I don't, I don't, I don't to try to judge Judy that fast. But um, it really is a smooth thing where it's kind of like you control your interests. So the thing I was liked about Limitless was 
there's a part in there where he's dancing to like rap music and he catches himself and he's like, what am I doing here? I don't even like this music, but he's able to do the shift. So instead of going in there with these preconceived ideas of what's fun to avoid being bored or avoid dealing with something else, he's in this situation where it's like he's in something totally new that he doesn't like and yet he's still able to adapt or to tune into what's going on around him and still have a good time. And uh, I thought that was pretty interesting and I found that to be true for myself as well in terms of adjusting to the environment and having a good time instead of pre-planning it, I have to go to this concert or I have to do this at this time. So if you have that power, almost like having a remote control and being able to change the channel when needed, I think that's a huge benefit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I kind of stumbled on this whole thing. And again, I'm not really uh, a druggie at all. But, um, you know, with my product Gabatrol, which works on GABA, of course, I began to realize because people began calling, just reporting like all kinds. I'm talking premature ejaculation, relationship issues, uh, social anxiety, as far as, you know, people giving speeches in front of audiences. When you cut that edge of anxiety, you're able to be your, your limits are expanded. So your, your ability to perform is much better. And I can see now why alcohol is so popular, actually, Anonymous, because alcohol elevates GABA and people feel good. And so they're more social. They're more apt to um, you know, meet people where they would normally they'd be more inhibited, as an example. Uh, so GABA modulation is one that is very popular. And that's why um, things like GABAtrol become very popular. But I guess you have other chemicals um, I'm not sure. I mean, for example, heroin's one. Now, I've never tried heroin. I have no interest in trying it. But I have several friends who are very uh, into chemistry saying that, um, you know, heroin can make you feel limitless because it makes you very sharp. It doesn't make you tune out. It makes you tune in, actually. That's the thing. A lot of these chemicals people use, in a sense, right, just like how athletes want to use anabolics, we're not trying to tune out. You know, we're not like some glorified cokehead or, or pothead. People use anabolics to perform better, to tune into life, and they'd be better, more successful. And from what I understand, maybe I'm wrong, but I was told that heroin actually does the same thing. I mean, do you have any feedback on that one? Uh, I never used it myself, but if you go by the Timothy Leary, like how to run your operating system, um, his book, I forget the name for a moment, but he has, he breaks it down in different sections in terms of there's different levels of which drugs affect which sort of system and opiates is the base. And so it gives you probably, I would assume, a feeling of safety. And so if you feel safe, like you said, you feel pretty much limitless because now you don't have all these insecurities or these, you feel like basically your ass is covered, you know, you're at home or whatever, (laughs) wherever you feel safe. Yeah. That's the feeling that you might get, you know, that's, that's what I'm assuming. You know, I had a friend, I used to work for a big drug company and one of my friends there was telling me about her experiences with uh, things like Special K. I mean, I didn't even know what these things were when she began mentioning to, to me, but she was like, you know, Special K changed my life. And I'm like, how? She goes, well, I was really shy and insecure, but when I began experimenting with some of these, and the one that really caught my attention, she probably tried other ones, but Special K or ketamine, I guess, it's cat tranquilizer. Um, it's one of the club drugs that kids use. She was like, Special K really changed me and I became much more social. I, became, I came out of my shell. And she goes, Brian, the thing is, is that after I, st- I don't use it anymore, I stopped, but my brain has changed. I rewired my brain. And that's anonymous. When I began to realize, wow, there are, our, our, our brain is very plastic. And so almost like, you know, this is going to sound kind of crazy how I uh, use the example, you know, if you look at neuroscience or, or social biology, the idea of self doesn't really exist. You're actually a reflection of your social group. And this has actually been proven. 
So for example, somebody can be very insecure because she has say small breasts as an example, right? Because society tells her that there's a certain size breast that actually makes her more attractive. She gets breast implants. And what happens then of course, is that the feedback she gets from her social group is, a, is more approving. So she gets an elevation of status, an elevation of her sense of confidence because of the, of the feedback mechanism she gets. Her brain has been rewired on a permanent basis in a sense. Now sure, maybe it's not permanent because you take away the big boobs, maybe her confidence goes away, but it's seems like anonymous that with these psychotropics, you really can, in a sense, cause a neuroplastic rewiring that can actually change who you are on a more permanent basis. Do you think that is that true at all? It seems to be true for me. I mean, um, Larry calls it imprints. You call it impressions, wounds, whatever you want to call it. But instead of making yourself a victim, you can kind of look at look at it as an accident because no one really knows what they're talking about. And so, if something hurts you and has sort of a dramatic emotional impact, that can really change the way you filter your own reality wherever you go, whether it's going to the mall or driving a car on the freeway or whatever. Um, one sort of big event um, can really change how you see everything. And for my, on my own level, you know, I started with Mother May I. I graduated to uh, the social group. And then somewhere out of high school and into college, I started playing Science Says. So Mother May I. <laughs> Are you serious? I, I, yeah, everything was based on science. You know, I was a, a PubMed Wait, Nazi. Ma, ma, is Mother I, May I referring to like, you know, the womb and the whole maternal thing? I, I, no, I'm, I'm just saying on a very primitive level, like I thought about like what was safe and what was the right thing to do in terms of social, socially, like how you hurt people's feelings or how you socialize. Um, my mother was an extrovert, so she's a flight attendant. So she was very outgoing. And I thought that almost everyone who was outgoing I mean, when I went out, it was like that, and it turns out it wasn't true, but it's like I had to blow up that system and meet the original programmer before I could move on to the other ones. And uh, eventually, like I said, I started dealing with the science says part and where I turned everything into almost like a court case. I almost needed like consensus, like multiple studies before I made a move. And yeah. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, but... Um, well, you got to be safe because, you know, yeah. first of all, it's a slippery slope. I mean, you know, there is a lot of people become alcoholics. I mean, we live in a country addicted to medication. People are self-medicating themselves much to their own detriment. So, you know, the thing, this show is dedicated to the smart use of uh, or responsible use of chemistry in a sense to to be more successful, to help more people in a sense. I mean, you know, the feedback I've gotten in my own career as far as helping people, you know, with the show, for example, or with my products has been a, a, astounding anonymous. And so I'm not doing this stuff because I want to tune out and completely withdraw. Now, again, I'm not saying that, that that's right, of course, because the truth is this is your trip. The whole group is just an illusion. It's all bullshit. I mean, that really is what it comes down to. But, you know, if you want to live at a level where you're, you're engineering yourself just to be still socially acceptable, that's cool. Nothing wrong with that. You know, give back to the group. I mean, you know, Tony Robbins and Deepak Chopra, they're on Oprah. You know, they're all about that because, you know, they're getting paid to do that. So it's all about the group. You make money. You become successful by helping more people. That's cool. Nothing wrong with that. But the ultimate journey is one of you tuning into yourself and not being so much a sheep in the corral of life, of course. And so they're both just as valid. And so I just want to make sure that, that people understand. It, it, uh, again, it's a slippery slope, right, Anonymous? I mean, you have to be careful because, you know, one cup of coffee feels good, one alcohol cocktail feels good. Before you knew it, you're doing a venti every day and having a six-pack after work and you're all fucked right. up, pardon my French. Ah, it's okay. Um, once again, I think it's, it's sort of like um, if you're happy where you are, 
or you're satisfied, then it's not a problem. But if you find yourself uneasy or agitated or frustrated in these certain certain situations, I, for me, I think you and I talked about this when you were out here. Um, we decided that we didn't have eating problems. We didn't have drinking problems. We didn't have drug problems, but we did have an information problem. So we were both kind of compulsive researchers. Oh, at least I'll put myself in that group. Yes, that sure. No, definitely. So I'm a compulsive researcher. So when I felt something like, uh, something that scared me or something that threw me off, something I didn't want to deal with, I was, as I mentioned earlier, uh, a science freak. I would read so much every day, just hours, and sit in front of the computer and try to figure things out from like every different angle. And eventually to that point, you know, it, it became kind of a problem because I filled my head up so much and with information and facts that I didn't get to do very much field work. And that, that's so, where I was going to try and move into the, so, the psychedelic part after that because that was the field work. <laughs> it's the, it's the, uh, the, the paralysis of analysis. I mean, there is, you know, too much sometimes. You know, again, we, you know, this is, this is one of the spiritual bullshit sayings that I can't stand. You're not a, a human doing. You're a human being. That's bullshit. Because you know what the truth is, is that you're actually a human doing. Everything an organism does, they're doing something. Even when you're doing nothing, you're actually breathing. So you're always doing something. So that bullshit about being a human being, yes, on some deeper metaphysical level, when you leave this human doing that you're trapped in, you are pure beingness. I get all that. But the truth is, is that you need to jump into the matrix. You need to jump into the arena. You are Spartacus in the arena of life. And Spartacus isn't shitting there just holding his hands up ready to get stabbed. You know what I mean? You're down here to have some fun. You got to kill some people. You got to save some people, whatever. <laughs> you know, but the bottom line is you are a human doing and you got to jump into action. So I think people need to make sure that they don't fall victim of one of the pitfalls, which is the paralysis of analysis, of course. That's one you and I fall into. Another one, again, that I want to reiterate is don't think if a little bit's good, more is better. Because again, you know, I had a beer this weekend, actually anonymous, and I felt amazing. I mean, because I don't drink alcohol at all. So I use alcohol as a tool. One beer, that's right, JTP, one beer. And I was on top of the world because my brain is really sensitive to it. And you know what? I become so much more social, so much more outgoing. I mean, why not have one beer? Because as you know, Anonymous, that's less toxicity for my liver, less brain toxicity. You know, I keep, I keep the little four pack or two pack I have left because I've lost all my abs because I'm working so much I've gotten fat. <laughs> <laughs> but the bottom line is though, is that, you know, and again, I curtail my caffeine in the morning too. No more than a grande uh, bold. Bold coffee has less caffeine actually. So I'm actually going to the bold to cup down on my caffeine intake. So it's all about trying to be responsible, using chemicals responsibly to modulate your life, of course. And again, I'm not anal about it. I'm not hypochondriac about the whole thing. But you do realize though that, you know, again, it's, you know, if you fall asleep at the wheel, you're going to wake up, you know, in the fucking forest in a car accident, so to speak, you know? Uh, well, I think what happens a lot of times is with someone, it's the same thing as the impression idea we were talking about earlier, the imprint idea is, one day you wake up and you're in a bad mood, you're tired and you don't want to go to work. And so you take X amount of caffeine. And then in order to avoid that same situation the next day, and I'm using myself as an example, I'll take the exact same amount of milligrams the next day to think that I'm yes. going And so now you're on this train for like three months or one week. It doesn't really matter. But I think it's always constantly reevaluating. Like the next day, maybe you don't take any. Maybe you take 200 milligrams. You take 100 milligrams. I think one bad day shouldn't dictate, you know, this huge increase that you may or may not need daily. So yes. Yes. Test it. Yeah. That's a key thing that people want to pop a pill or escape 
the pain they're in, again, and especially for men, because men are pussies when it comes, here's the thing, you look at some of these big muscle-headed guys and stuff, when it comes to their emotional bodies, they're, they're total pussies. Women are much more stronger emotionally than men are. You know, men build shields and they build weapons and they kill everybody because they can't deal with their emotions. I mean, it's all, the, the, the paradox I find is comical. It really is. How the weakest of, of the humans, you know, women are much more stronger emotionally, but weaker or more fragile physically. I mean, you have to laugh at, at just, the, the architecture of this universe is so comical. You have to fucking laugh at it actually, you know? But with that said, you have to be careful about, you know, self-medicating your problems away because the problems don't go away. So if you're in a bad relationship, if you hate your fucking boss and you don't want to risk going to jail and killing him, of course, which is fine. You Believe it or not, actually, you can do whatever you want to. This is your game. And if you want to take those chances and roll the dice, go for it. I mean, really. But the bottom line is, though, is that you have to be aware if you keep self-medicating, it's a slippery slope. So you have to make sure you're dealing with your problems on other tangential levels. Is that not true, Anonymous? No, I agree. I, I think at some point, you know, when I was a kid, I was upset with Old Yeller when he had to shoot his own dog, I'm a dog person. And I think as I became an adult, I almost was like, it was like endorsed that I become Rambo. And so instead of shooting my dog, I would shoot my dog and then go and try and find the wolf that infected him and blast every wolf <laughs> around the house that bit my dog. And I think that I, I wouldn't do that, but I, that was almost like, going to anger or aggression was totally acceptable, very primate. And, uh, and being upset about what just happened was not acceptable. Definitely not in public. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I want to go back to one of your original things here again. You said mother may I, and it really caught my attention because Jeff and I are big fans of game of Thrones and, uh, you know, Jeff really helped me to understand it really quickly that Game of Thrones is this parody in a sense. It's, it's, a, it's a comedy of error, a tragic, it's a Dantean tragic comedy where you have these mothers and their little boys going to war, which is exactly how the world is. And all of them, in a sense, are, are dealing with that female Oedipus complex, in a sense, right? I mean, you have this woman who's a beautiful queen who actually has sex with her brother and has this king who's the ruler. And of course, he's demonic and possessed because incest is, you know, is not the best actually. But it's just funny because here we are speaking about drug trips and I'm, I'm thinking back about Pink Floyd, The Wall, where in the movie, The Wall, actually he had an over-domineering mother figure that forced him into, I guess, a, a certain path in life in The Matrix that made him turn to drugs and he had fucked up relationships with women, of course, and his father was killed in the war. I mean, there definitely is a confluence of similar stories, similar trajectories going on here that when you said Mother May I, I thought that's one of the first social groups, the, the first conformity of forces we, we seek to break away from is our parents, specifically probably our mother because she's the one that actually birthed us into this universe. And so we seek to, to escape the creator or the creation, the womb of creation, as somebody else would say. So I think the whole concept of mother may I or the, the roles of conformity enforcers in society, because first is parental, of course, and we deify our parents. I mean, literally, we make them into gods as a little kid. Then, of course, we deify the group. I mean, as a young man going through puberty, who doesn't put women on a pedestal? And so we do everything. And that's why we guys lift weights. The first impetus for guys to lift weights is to look more alpha, to elevate social status so that women will find us more attractive. Or if you're gay, so men will find you more attractive, whatever it is. But the truth is that these are also ties that bind us. These are really, in a sense, walls of a prison. 
And I think, um, you know, a spiritual journey or a chemical transcendence, if you want to call it, or your or chemical modification of, of brain chemistry is one way to start deconditioning ourselves to the bullshit that you don't have to have big muscles to, to, to feel happy in this world. You don't have to have, you know, to work, slave your life away. How many guys do I know, Anonymous, who, who are alpha males driven to succeed, make a lot of money and are bald and fat by the time they're 50, or they're actually having heart attacks. I might have met two guys this past weekend that want to help me with my company, both in their 50s, both very successful, Park Avenue public relations companies, both had heart attacks in their 50s. It's so common, it's almost, again, it's almost ludicrous. So the whole idea here is, can you use chemicals to, in a sense, rewire the brain to transcend the, the ties that bind us all, make us slaves to our, our, our you know, preconditional things and what we think is behavioral be acceptable in society? What do you think about that? I think we can. I think that you pretty much infuse the body with a large amount of energy, almost like dropping an atomic bomb. <laughs> I took that from uh, Lost, sorry, but they changed their reality by dropping a bomb on this thing called the Hatch. A chem and, uh, bomb, a chemical bomb. There you go. Yeah, it's a chemical bomb. Or maybe bomb. a bong. B O N G, B O N B, all the same thing, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. There you go. Um, <laughs> and so that that's one of those things that you can do, and you can doing it. You can do it willingly, and you can also do it on a certain time frame. So if you want to wait for you to yourself to have a, like a near death experience and then you have a life change, or you want to jump out of a plane, you want to go in a float tank, sensor deprivation, you can do all these things, but a lot of people don't have time and they don't have, or they just don't prioritize it. So I think yeah. one way these psychedelic drugs ha give you the ability to um, access, exactly. access this in a short, yes. shorter period of time. And, um, and uh, that's where I think the, the magic or the, the potential really is. Yes, thing. yes. I yeah. mean, floating, I think, is great. Sensory deprivation. I know that the um, the guy who's the announcer in uh, UFC, I forgot his name, actually, he's a big fan of floating. He's actually got his own show, I think, but actually, he's really big into all this kind of stuff. The thing is, though, is that finding a tank is really hard. It's like it's a once- yeah, it is, exactly. So, you know, that's why I've advocated that my listeners do what I think is either meditation or walking meditation. Again, the reason why I was so infatuated with Niagara Falls this weekend is because to me, being in nature, water in particular, the metaphor of water is so powerful for me. I feel the presence of whatever that thing is in the other dimension. You want to call it God, whatever it is, but I feel it when I'm close to water. And so for me, hopping over the fence and, and walking right next to the edge there of Niagara Falls, you know, I was okay if I slipped and died because to me it was worth the risk, you know? And so I think that what you're saying is that, um, and you know what's funny actually, but I think this is grounded in science because if you look at Terrence McKenna, one of his friends was the biologist Rupert Sheldrake. And again, I've had Rupert Sheldrake's work on this show. It's called um, Morphogenetic Fields. It's the idea that like when uh, a certain amount of people or a certain amount of things materialize or manifest in this world, all of a sudden it spreads like wildfire. It's almost like the hundred monkey syndrome. There was this myth, if it's true or not, this is definitely a real thing though, that you know when one monkey began washing dirty potatoes in the water, um, other monkeys in the troop began doing it. And then all of a sudden monkeys in the whole area throughout the, these islands in Japan all began washing their potatoes in the water. And so the idea began that when one scientist can crystallize a new chemical in this world, all of a sudden scientists in other parts of the world are finding themselves able to crystallize the same thing. So there is this sense of, 
um, formless to inform, right? Information really is the crystallization of the formless, the multidimensional existence that transcends this form into this stuff. And so again, this stuff we're talking about here is really grounded in science. And some of the Nobel Prize winning scientists themselves were friends with this guy, uh, Terence McKenna. So I think it's pretty fascinating, the the integration of, of these fields, spiritual shamanism with science, with quantum physics, as an example. <laughs> Well, Terrence McKenna was a big influence on, on me, as you know. Um, something that he told or he said, and you can get this on YouTube real easily, um, that really had a big impact on me was that culture is not your friend. I think people yes. think yeah. that culture, whether it's their family, whether it's their friends, whether it's the TV or whatever, it doesn't have the, your best interest in mind. So it, no, I'm not saying that it's good or bad or evil or this, but it's serving a function. And the function is not your personal happiness. It's really sort of almost appealing towards your childlike self and whatever will get you to sort of pull the trigger the quickest, which makes sense, to buy this or do this or et cetera. So like we said, you know, with media, it can be fear or excitement. And these things all sort of motivate you to do something that you may or may not do. And the more people that do it and the more people that are talking about it, makes it more acceptable and therefore that becomes your reality. Yes, yes, great point. I mean, and most of us, you know, kind of laugh and scoff at this idea because we're like, I don't watch those TV shows. You know, I, I don't buy what the commercials tell me, but trust me, the other things you do that you take as de facto being cool or whatever, like for example, the average guy working 60, 70 hours a week, that's so not cool. That's so fucked up if you think about it. You're sacrificing so much of your life for what? I mean, how much money do you need before you realize you've actually, you know, again, Christ himself said, what does it profit a man to gain the entire world and lose his happiness? That's what he, I mean, those are his words right there. If you want to trans, translate the word happiness into spirit or soul, whatever the fuck you want to call it, the bottom line is, is that if you gain everything, but you're not happy, you've lost everything. I mean, really, this is the idiocy that society has. I mean, how, they, they call infantry from Latin meaning baby, infants, because only idiots would go to war and fight for these stupid rich old guys that want to carve up the world and, and, and secure oil, as an example. I'm not saying all wars are bad, but a lot of times, you know, if you look at what goes on behind the scenes, everybody knows now Vietnam War was a sham. Gulf of Tonkin was a staged event. This happens over and over and over again. I mean, so the point is, Anonymous, I want the listener to realize that it, it really requires them to think about the things that they think are cool, that they think are quote unquote socially acceptable. That's where they got to start questioning because it isn't the obvious. It's the, it's the things that all of us kind of just unwittingly think is cool. We, we want to ascribe to that you got to start questioning, I think, you know? Well, I think it's just unconscious. I think it's so part of your daily routine, so part of the current that you don't even know you're in it. And yes, so the matrix, some people exactly. Can afford to travel. And, and they see something different. But they said even with that is when you travel, you bring your own reality tunnel to wherever you're going. So you go to some place which you think is, oh, I'm going to Italy or I'm going to Mexico. But then you end up staying in a place that's kind of like your house in Mexico or your place in Italy or where you're kind of comfortable. So it's, it's slightly different, but it's not really shocking. I mean, there are definitely adventurers. Like people like explored the Amazon like 100 years ago or something like that, but it's totally different. But now, now it's, it's more like you're going to Disneyland and it's sort of prepackaged. So it's, it may, may or may not be, and that's not everything. I'm just saying, you know, we're doing like the generic package tour. You're not really leaving your reality tunnel or your daily existence that much. Um, 
Yeah, there's still a Starbucks and a McDonald's on every corner. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but you can do that with these substances. Um, and I think that for me or even anyone is something that's, it's almost like I grew up with dare. So I, I dare you to try it. Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that got scared into not trying things. And I found the risk to be greatly exaggerated. And it's kind of like just an old program. It's almost like a joke at this point. Um, yeah. Well, have you tried to set a curiosity? Have you tried DMT or do you, can you tell me, we'll have to do a part two of this particular show. I, I want to know you have. Okay. So just to explain a little bit to our listeners, what DMT is and what your, you know, what your experience has been with this. Well, the best probably crash course, like mainstream that you can get on Netflix now is, is the spirit molecule. And you can the get spirit that. molecule. Okay. Yeah. Better really condense it and keep it so entertaining really quick. If you guys so much time, you can check that out. You'll see the mechanism there and you'll see his, his late wife. Um, I did it probably two months ago. And as far as I know, it's, it's regarded as being one of the stronger psychedelics. Um, typically on the person that wants to go last. Once again, science says, if everyone dies, I'm not going to do it or whatever. Right. Sure. But I could tell they were a little bit nervous about it. So I said, don't worry about it. I'm going first. And so I, I did it, um, and there's a certain technique to do it where you don't just do one, once again, turns again, one hit, you make sure you do a couple more after that to make sure you really get in there. And that's what I did. Um, visually, I saw geometric patterns, violet, like not stained glass, but something very pretty and very unusual. And then I had this feeling that I was stuck in a place that I've been stuck in for a long time. And after that, I looked around the room and obviously time and people moving around was very distorted and very strange actually. And then I realized that I had this pattern in my brain of how I used it. I had like five or six different thoughts. And with each thought, there would be hand movements attached with that thought. And so each time I'd say, I'm not gonna do that again. And I realized that I was almost like a CD that has like five songs and they just keep playing those same five songs over and over again. And sometimes gets stuck. And that was my only thing. And I thought, shit, this is terrible. Like I want to at least have 12 songs. That's you know, like a full album or whatever. It's like five. It's just too, uh, too confining. So that part was a little bit terrorizing at first, but then I sort of, um, relaxed and got past that. And then, um, Overall, it was a very positive experience to watch that happen and realize how trapped I was um, just mentally trying to problem solve my fear. And I only had these five moves. And um, I guess it was kind of like a tragic comedy, really. You know, you think you're so free, but then you have these repetitive thought patterns that you utilize over and over again and keep recreating the same situations one way or another. That's awesome. I mean, you know, the one thing that um, one of my most profound teachers told me, and again, you know, you understand the words, but until you've actually had the experience, and this is what Terrence McKenna was a big fan of, was that it's the experience you want to go after, not like, you know, the knowledge or, or the words. One of my teachers was like, you know, you have no idea. And that idea is just like, you know, I think most of our listeners have no idea what, what we're really referring to until they begin the journey themselves, because ultimately it is a personal journey. Um, we'll have to do a part two of this because there's so much more I want to get into as far as mushrooms and, uh, you know, the molecule DMT, because of course the tryptamine family, dimethyltryptamine, tryptamine family is a part of, I believe, um, melatonin, serotonin. These are all pseudo tryptamines. We got to definitely get into this more. 
Uh, Anonymous, I want to thank you for coming on. We're going to try to get you on again next week for part two. And I want to thank you for tuning in. I'm going to post a link to um, all this information on our Facebook page. If you guys want to go to our Quantum Physiques page on Facebook, we'll give you more information about how you too can embrace chemical anarchy. Once again, thank you for tuning in. This has been Quantum Physiques. I'm your host, Brian Cunningham. Come back next week for part two of Chemical Anarchy. Quantum Physiques with Brian Cunningham is dedicated to harnessing the power of the holy grail of health, fitness, lifestyle, and success. And you'll hear Quantum Physiques every Wednesday evening only on Rx Muscle.